0: Welcome to the Senior Story Hour, where we share poems, stories, observations of life, written by the Franklin Senior Center Writers Group. Today, obviously, is a different day. Today, we are, in fact, all getting together in cyberspace. We are apart, yet we are together. Uh, The good news is that technology lets us do this. That said, I feel as much with all of you as when we're in the studio. So today, what we want to do is continue where we left off with more thrill-packed stories. That's right. All of our stories are (laughs) thrill-packed. Before we jump into those, Kathy, what I'd like to do is maybe have everybody chime in a bit with what the past month has been like being at home, and has it affected your writing in any way?
1: In my case, it's been pretty boring, but I have done a lot of reading and a little bit of writing.
2: I've been yeah, doing um,
3: the same thing that, that Kathy's been doing. I've been doing a lot of reading, yeah. uh, big time, reading stuff that I didn't want to read originally, but I was running out of reading material, so I ended <laughs> up reading those, and they happen to be pretty good. So, um, and, but I'm getting a little cabin fever now, um, so I'm trying to, like, do walks that are safe and um, just be smart about the whole thing.
0: I say we jump into some stories. Kathy, thoughts?
1: Okay, I'll go first if you want. Sure. Um, this one is called All by Myself. As a woman of a certain age who is widowed in her 50s, I have gotten used to living alone. But nowadays, due to the current st- state of the coronavirus pandemic, lots of people are learning to cope with the new phenomenon. Of becoming socially distant in leading a solitary life. For a woman like myself, being separated from others most of the time means more than shopping for one or sleeping with your cat. It also means more than well-meaning friends trying to fix you up on a date with their brother-in-law or the nice neighbor who just got divorced. (laughs) That's easier to wiggle out of now That we don't really want to be meeting Lots of new people Sheltering in place all by your onesies Means you will have more time On your hands After straightening out the spice rack Cleaning out your closet (laughs) Washing your curtains Or the windows they've been covering Reading a book Binging reruns of This Is Us Or going for a walk What else can you do? You could always go online, but if you venture onto the personal ad sites like I did, you may have to get used to messages from guys who tout such surefire come on's as, still have all my own hair and teeth, a few pounds overweight, but I'm working on it, or I love to spoil a woman rotten. Living alone isn't bad by any means. You can stay up as late as you please and sleep in, especially if you're a retiree like me. You can eat whatever and whenever you want to. What's so bad about a couple of blueberry muffins for lunch? You can stay in your pajamas all day long. You can also get together with friends who are not working, but having a limited income will probably cast a pall on shopping as a leisure time activity. Phoning your kids for a daily chat may not also thrill them, especially when you hear them heave a big sigh before they say, Hi, Mom. (laughs) You could also develop a daily exercise routine, take up watercolor painting, or finally get to work on that novel you've been intending to write. Don't trash this article yet. I still haven't done that either. Look on the bright side. Isolation doesn't have to lead to desolation. This too shall pass, and it just might make us stronger. Amen. At least that's what I keep telling myself.
4: <laughs> I love it.
0: Wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, we're all relating, aren't we?
2: Yes, <laughs> that's great.
0: <laughs> Who'd like to step up next?
2: Okay, I'll step. I'll move up closer. Can okay. you hear me? We
0: hear you great. And now, here we go with Faith Flaherty.
2: Okay, I titled this "Thanks for the Memories." COVID nineteen. <laughs> During the COVID nineteen pandemic, the worldwide population was under quarantine. Since I couldn't leave the house, I took the opportunity to clean, organize, and read many of the things I had put off due to lack of time. Now time was all I had. I wanted to write a poem, but my thoughts would revert to monkey brain. So I thought I'd put my thoughts in a paragraph to organize them. Three pages later, I realized that I didn't have a poem. I had a stream of consciousness story. As I was cleaning out one of my bookcases, The shelf with cookbooks caught my eye. I sat down to peruse them. What can be tossed and what can be kept? Just because a recipe is a yellowed, aged newspaper clipping from 50 years ago, (laughs) doesn't mean that the dish isn't still tasty, does it? What's this, a 20 year old letter? Mm -hmm. Should I write to Connie and tell her I found her letter? I saved it because she included a recipe in the middle. I remember I didn't really want the recipe, I was just being polite when I requested it. I don't think I ever made the meal. She probably won't remember who I am. She might have moved. The address probably isn't valid. What if she's dead? Mm -hmm. I tossed the letter away. Look at this. It's a miniograph bookload of recipes from the 1970s. It cost $1.50. I wasn't even married then. Yes, I remember buying this with my sister. I see the names of her three children. They contributed some recipes. Well, I can't throw this away. Uh, ugh, what is this? Gross. A dead hornet. <laughs> now here are a lot of newspaper clippings from the Boston Globe. I used to read a column called Confidential Chat regularly. Mm
5: -hmm.
2: It was full of helpful hints, advice, and recipes. They were too yellow, folded too tight, print too small, and I have too many recipes anyways. Out it goes along with the hornet. Remember the bread machine? Look, five books of bread machine recipes. I think I gave the bread machine away. Well, I don't need these cookbooks anymore. And here's a binder of microwave times. Yes, I remember taking an adult ed course at the high school when microwaves first came out. I used to do a lot of cooking in the microwave. I even made a turkey in it, also an upside down cake. Now, I only use a recipe to heat up leftovers. I'm keeping these, and I'm resolving to make some of these recipes. Look, I found what I want to make for dinner tonight, Splendor in the Grass. This recipe is from Dave Maynard. Remember him? Yeah. A disc jockey on WBZ Radio. Yeah. Everyone in my family loved this recipe, Splendor in the Grass. It's relatively easy in the microwave. Sliced carrots on the bottom, chicken breast on top, covered with spinach, that's it. The meal was decorated with sliced carrots, that's why it was called Splendor in the Grass. The spinach is the grass, the carrots the flower, the chicken is the Splendor. Well, I've wasted an entire morning gleaning through this one shelf, and I'm still not finished. Enough. It's noon and I'm still in my pajamas. Enough is enough. Yay.
3: Excellent. Very good. Good job, baby.
0: (laughs) Oh, the truth comes out. (laughs) We got Big Joe in the house. Big Joe, what do you got?
3: Okay. I got a story named Serving My Country. When I was in my last year of high school, I wasn't sure what I was going to do after I graduated. My grades weren't good enough to go to college, so that option was out the door. So, when I went to the local bookstore, in passing, I noticed a sign at a Navy recruiting center. It was enticing you to join. I went inside to check it out. I talked to the recruiter, and between his convincing me with his pitch and me falling in love with the idea, I joined. At the time, I was only 17, but because it was at the end of the Vietnam War, I received the waiver to join at 17 because they needed every man they could get. Everybody was becoming disenchanted with this supposedly police action. The day after graduation from high school, I found myself in Great Lakes, Illinois. I caught a flight with two other guys that were also going to boot camp. Believe it or not, they got me high in the bathroom with smoking a joint. So when the bus picked me up, I was high as a kite. (laughs) That's how I started boot camp. When the buzz started to come down, reality set in. I was missing my mother big time and I thought I made a horrible mistake. (laughs) I was thinking of a way to get out of basic training, like starting a fight or faking an illness. But I decided not to do those things as I convinced myself to give it a try. To my surprise, things got better as I went along. We were allowed to write letters home and receive them back. This is one of the things that got me through to graduation. One of the happiest moments I have ever experienced in this life was flying back home on American Airlines United jet. I received a two-week leave before I had to go to dental technician school in San Diego. After my leave, I flew again on a plane to start my training. School was pretty rough, and I was lucky to get a C. But because my grades were average, they assigned me to the the Marine Corps for four weeks to become a medical corpsman. It was definitely tougher than Navy boot camp, but somehow I made it through. Most of the training was run, run, run. Besides being tall and skinny, I was able to do that part pretty good. I ran three miles in 21 minutes when all you had to do was 28. The obese men had a tough time and were picked on by the drill instructor. I felt sorry for them because they were crying, but that is par course for boot camp. I myself had found a way to get through it due to my ability to run. After that, I got another two week lead and it just happened to be Christmas. Needless to say, it made my heart feel good just to be with my family. After the holidays were over, my duty assignment was to fly to Okinawa, Japan to start my next journey with the United States Marine Corps as a combination dental tech and field corpsman. A doc was the nickname that the grunts gave me. I was at Camp Hansen for 13 months. The only reason I completed that duty at Camp Hansen was because of the guys I served with. They were great. I made a lot of good friends. Afterward, I flew home on another leave for a month and an assignment to serve the rest of my active time obligation to the Navy at Oceanside, California. I was at Camp Pendleton for two years. San Diego is great. They have one of the best zoos in the world, which everybody already knows. Also, they have a version of Boston Common called Balboa Park. In many ways, my fellow shipmates were awesome all the way through the rest of my active service time. My inactive service was to serve six years reserve at the old Weymouth Navy Air Station. One of the most flattering moments in my life was to receive a wedding invitation from my best friend in San Diego. One of the best memories of my life was that I had been serving my three years, then my six years reserve. In hindsight, I would highly recommend to young people that have a hard time deciding what to do after high school is to join the service. It gets you out of your parents' house, it teaches you discipline and organization, plus you make friends to have for the rest of your life. Go Navy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
0: So, Kathy, are we ready to hear from Big Al?
6: Sure. Uh, I'm just thinking uh, with this virus, people have got to be saying, where is God in all of this? Where is God? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And uh, I've come to know that somehow God is in everything. Yes. And uh, so I guess it's a matter of faith and believe that God is going to settle this. And uh, we don't know what the purpose could possibly be. But I know one thing, uh, we have great respect uh, when we return to normalcy for everything around us, our friends, and we find out uh, how much we love one another and need to be uh, communicating in a real way and uh, and with affection and touching and hugging and all the things that uh, we normally do. And we're being deprived of that now. Mm. And, uh, yeah. and it's... Uh, it's the road we're on now. The, so we have to make the most of where we are. We have to bloom uh, where we're planted. Anyway, so
2: mm-hmm.
6: this is a, a spiritual experience I had. It's a true story. And my credibility is at stake here. <laughs> I can only count on those who know me, also know that I would never mock God. The title of my story is Awakening. With a sudden awakening, I sat up in bed. At the middle of the night, in the dark, and two words came out of my mouth as I cried out, tumultos ammos, tumultos amnos. What is that? I then repeated it to myself several times, not knowing what or why it came out. Without a clue, I then fell back to sleep. This is a descriptive account of what I experienced in the dark that early morning. The next day, I reflected on those words that sounded like Latin. I was to be at Mass that Wednesday morning and dropped in to speak to Father Sullivan at St. Jude's in Norfolk before Mass to ask him about those words coming out of me as he knew Latin. He was conversing with the parish secretary in comedy, describing what happened he suggested I may have been saying, ad multos anos. This I was familiar with, as wishing someone many more years, and it didn't sound like the word tumultos that I repeated several times in the dock. I did look up the word tumultos, describing a violent disturbance or upheaval. That day was Wednesday, May 13th, 1981, and learned later that day of an assassination attempt on Pope John Paul II as he traveled through St. Peter's Square. I could only wonder, was my experience related? My wife Peggy and I did have an audience seating in Rome on a Wednesday many years later. And Pope John Paul II entered St. Peter's Square at mid-morning. And with the six-hour difference in the U.S., that would correspond to the dark hour I woke up with those words coming out of me. It certainly was an extraordinary, phenomenal experience. My problem was finding the true meaning of the second word which sounded like "amnos, annos. The dictionary was of no help. It wasn't until years later, in a story I read in the Magnificat publication, where the meaning and spelling became clear. Amnos is the word for lamb in Greek, and converted <coughs> to Latin, the word is agnus. Agnus Dei, is attributed to the Pope, who represents Christ, the Lamb of God. The Pope has a banner with the figure of a lamb with a cross or flag as an emblem of Christ. Amnos in Greek is a sacrificial lamb without blemish and of innocence. Was what happened to Pope John Paul II and myself that day? A spiritual connected experience of an attack on his body and an alarm of the moment, making known to me a shocking disclosure. Was it a revelation of some supernatural way above the range of normal human physical knowledge? The body of Christ suffered that morning and my soul was touched. Was it a phenomenon, of personal encounter with the body of Christ for me and others around the world? I do not know. I do know all of us are of God. For me, was it not personal as one spiritually connected to God? Is not the spiritual body of Christ existing apart from and not subject to the limitations of the material universe? There are so many mysteries in our beliefs. I'm sure someday we'll know it all. Mm.
0: Nice. Cool. Yeah. Very good, Now, Thank you. Very, very nice. Kathy, I'm thinking that maybe we go to Pat Winiarski.
5: Oh, sounds good. <laughs> I wrote this one year ago, and I read it today, hoping... I can repeat the experience. A May day at Daisy Field, an azure sky of clarity, a glowing sun of illuminating brilliance, a balmy breeze of softness and gentleness, blended to form an amiably glorious day. Freshly mowed grass created variegated strips of dark green and light green, The clean, crisp scent of the grass, after days of misty rain epitomized a fresh spring day in May. As I ambled along, a surprising and beautiful patch of dazzling yellow goldenrods popped up around a gentle curve on the path. Swaying leaves in the trees above provided musical motion for brightly-hued flowers to dance in and out of the shadows. Knock, knock, knock. The quick repetitious beat of a woodpecker's beak Mm -hmm. against a sturdy tree supplied the percussion to the sweet melodious chirping of house sparrows and the cheery whistles of robins. Refreshing, beautiful spring days Always bring light to my countenance through a joyous smile.
0: Wonderful. All right. Thank you.
6: There there will be good days. (laughs)
5: What
0: I like about a lot of what you write is the visual nature of it.
5: Yes. Oh, thank you.
4: I think I took a photo of that day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And so, Steve, that's your cue.
4: So that's my cue. Okay, I've, and it's interesting because I pulled this out of the archive. Clearly I've been writing a lot of other newsy types things, um, but this goes back in the archive and it touches on a couple of themes that I think have already been mentioned here. Um, the only other thing I will reference and explicitly, while I called for, while I referenced bloggers, I developed a blog and there by the male uh, bloggers, but there's also the female side which I blog hers. You can kind of do that mental gyration so your are writers or write hers and have the <laughs> same thing. <clears throat> so this is the fire circle story. And let me tell you a story. In the beginning was the word. And, the, and so the good book begins. But actually in the beginning the idea came first. The idea became a picture, a drawing, pencil-like, charcoal, charcoal sketched on a cave wall then on flattened reeds, then on paper. The image, the imagination, the thought when it attempted to be shared ultimately became the word, and in, in the sharing, it was good. The storytellers, shamans, griots, his and her voices developed over time. Sharing images, thoughts via words, they were listened to. They could tell the tale that held everyone's attention, held them on the edge, leaning forward, their ears ready. The storyteller's voice developed a rhythm, a cadence for the telling to help convey the moment. The rhythm developed a beat, something primal, akin to their heartbeat that was quickening or slowing to the pace of the events of the moment in the story. The storyteller tried something new. He, she used this new cadence and rhythm to change their voice to a chant. Eventually sing. The story became the song. The variety of story became the variety of song. The storyteller became the singer. And the singer sang his or her song. Step forward many years. Step forward through advances in technology. The technology is now beyond typing and hard-copy printing, advanced to virtual printing, publishing pages available to anyone anywhere with a connection, and a browser for free. Technology that has been freed from the wire. The individual's voice is now capable of being put forth for anyone with a like interest to read. These individuals' voices have been given a name, rightly or wrongly, blogger or blog hers, Mm -hmm. and the blogger, blog, her blog, his or her own blog. Some things have not changed over time. There is still an individual. The individual still has a voice. There is still an audience. The population has grown. The population has spread. The world is wide, much more so than ever before. While it was easy for the storyteller singer to gather a crowd around the campfire in the woods or Savannah, where else could they go? A modern blogger or blogger has to set their voice, blog, forth into a sea of words, hoping that it will stand out that it will attract attention, that it will generate a gathering akin to a gathering around the fire. The audience falls into one of three parts. The first part, a large one, but hopefully smaller over time is one that cannot begin to listen for any number of reasons. (laughs) They may not have a connection or if they do, they may not have that interest. In either case, the singular voice might as well not be at all. To them, there is no voice. The second part of the audience is at least connected and aware of the voice. They read the voice maybe briefly, maybe quickly, lacking time or serious interest, they move on. To the voice, they may not exist. To the audience, the voice does exist. There's just not a real acknowledgement of the audience. To the voice. The third part of the audience is nirvana to the voice. The audience in this case is connected. They are aware. They are more than aware. They do not just read and devour, they also become engaged. They respond. The individual, the audience interacts with the voice, they exchange words, they share more than the voice has expressed they can take this relationship to another place. The two become one in idea and become more powerful than one and one combined. The voice can grow in this. The individual in the audience can grow in this. The road goes ever and ever on. The first part of the audience just is. They will be there, don't pay attention to them the sphere of the voice's influence is beyond getting to this audience. They are unengaged. The second part of the audience is partially engaged. They're aware, somewhat, not fully, only partially. They just don't or have not yet taken the step. The third part is fully engaged. They are more than their readers. They are more than aware. They are indeed involved. They ultimately would co-create, enhance the idea, and move it to a new place. What is the point or moral of this whole story? Forget about the masses. They are lost for now. You can do nothing for them. It's not kind, I know. It's not Christian, but it is what it is. You put on your own oxygen mask first before you can help another. That is reality. Focus on the voice and those who heed it. Be aware of the partially engaged. Toss them a word or a stray bone or two. Someday they may come around. Someday something will awaken in them and they will respond, but until then nothing more. The voice, you, the blog-er or blog-her, write-er or write-her, should focus your writing on the fully engaged part. Feed them as much as they can feed you in turn. There's mutual dependence. Know yourself. Go to the well. Understand that which is you, the real you. There is no other like you. Prepare your voice. Practice, practice, practice. Listen to your audience. Pay attention to what they tell you. They sell no mirage. They have come to you for food and sustenance. Feed them. Feed them and you will find sustenance for yourself. This is the circle of life. The blogger, writer, blog her, write her, life. The fire circle story of life. Wow. That's a wow. Nice. Good
1: story, Anybody else bring anything?
6: I have something. The sun is shining. I have an ode to the sun. Would you like (laughs) to hear it?
1: Sounds good to me.
6: Go for it. Ode to the sun. The dark night is waning. Dim light appears. Sunshine so long for. Now on this dark sphere. Silence speaks the light in glorious rays. Gives reason to celebrate the new day. Early warm, the rose color of morn. Say what, should sailors be warned? Mm -hmm. Green the fields with your early glow. Roots seeking moisture, as downward they grow. Amid bright billowing clouds, sun and blue sky provides a smile. It sure does us good, so we linger a while. Should there be showers, you brighten dewdrops, supplying a rainbow, which makes us all stop. Kind are you as I'm older, falling on tired shoulders, making all things feel new, as old bones say thank you. In midday heat, the life to a tree you did provide. With leaders, branches, twigs, and leaf, Cooling comfort is there for relief. Borrowed light you give to sister moon. Help with the time and dispels the gloom. Gives waves of tides and of the season to benefit those in need of a reason. Your glory continues going low in the sky. Bright colors on clouds engage the eye. Can't think no matter what I bent. For our delight, you surely were a scent. Mm.
3: Nice Beautiful. <laughs> Great
0: job. Good, Al. Well. And I'll wrap it up with a short one. Okay. I stare at a screen, an aggregation of pixels as an aggregation of people. They are an apparition of colleagues, kindred, friends, and family arrayed and played before me like so many chocolates in a box. I stare at a screen. This is my new normal. I miss my old normal. The one we all took for granted, accepted as a given now taken away.
1: Yes.
0: Gone till further notice. I stare at a screen for decades. I watched television. Now we all participate, of necessity. Television is the latest deus ex machina that delivers us digitally, from our lesser angels, from lonelier moments toward each other. The word television was first coined by a Russian scientist, Konstantin Konstantin Persky. That was at the 1900 Paris Exposition. It meant to see afar. Charles Prestrick Scott, publisher-editor for the Manchester Guardian, said, television, the word is half Latin, half Greek. No good can come from it. (laughs) I stare at a screen. I smile. Smiles return. No word need be spake in any language. A smile, a little less alone. Such is the good that comes of it.
4: Thank you,
6: Peyton.
4: The, the one piece I've been saying a few times in my interviews, um, while social distancing important is important, clearly on the six-foot side, we can't mm-hmm. forget the social aspect. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> And we've talked about it because everybody's doing some sort of connection. And from Pete's smile to the Zoom family sessions, uh, we're in it together. We have to help each other.
5: Mm -hmm.
0: Thanks for being with us here on Senior Story Hour. Until the next time, I'm Peter J.
1: Remember, be they laced with gravity, levity, wisdom, or whimsy, the meaning, experiences of life, become a little larger when you share them, when you take a moment to commit pen to paper and just write.
0: This is FPR, Franklin Public Radio.